Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. You know, I have a, I have a confession to make. This is the day to have for, for confession, right? Public confession. Um, I have a weak spot for crystal hamburgers. It, it's probably a good thing that I'm the only one in my home who, who shares this weakness. But, but I find myself in a, in a bit of a dilemma when, when I succumb to my weakness. If I order the traditional number one combo, that comes with four of the little burgers for those of you who are culinarily uneducated. I find myself finishing and wishing I had just one more. Four is just not enough. And so I just wish I could find one more. Several weeks ago, Heather and the boys were out of town, and, and I found myself having an internal conversation about grabbing dinner when I passed by the restaurant and I saw that they were advertising all you can eat for $5.99. As I was about to turn in, it occurred to me that nothing good could come from all-you-can-eat crystal burgers. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm unique in this, but I find that if I enjoy something, I want to make room for more. If I really like something, I want to, I want to make room for, for more of it in my life. However, I think it's safe to say when it comes to crystal burgers, less is definitely more. Thankfully, our bodies have a defense mechanism against such behaviors. It's called cardiac arrest. <laughs> in all seriousness, I think we all experience this in some way or another. When we enjoy things, we want to have more of those things that we enjoy. How many of us would complain if we were at the beach and our boss called us and said, don't worry about coming back on Monday. You've been working so hard lately, and, and, and honestly, we just wanted to give you a few extra days of vacation. Don't worry. We've called and extended your reservation. We even sent somebody over to mow the lawn for you. You just enjoy yourself a few extra days. I don't know that any of us would complain about such an offer. Who would argue with the massage therapist who was working the kinks out of your back and said, you know what, I know you only booked an hour, but we're going to throw an extra half hour in for free. None of us would complain if we got more of those things that we enjoyed most. And just to prove the point, I'm going to give you guys an extra 30 minutes of preaching this morning. As we continue to journey our way through the life of Moses, we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 33 and 34. Keep in mind what's happened up until this point. Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt. They set up camp at the base of Mount Sinai. It's here that Moses is given God's laws. It's, he's given instructions on how the nation is to gather for worship. However, as Moses was on the mountain receiving the law, the word of God, the Israelites had turned away from the Lord, worshiping a false god. 
In anger, when Moses finds out, he smashed those original tablets on which God's law was written by the hand of God. And the people are punished. God warned them that he was prepared to wash his hands of this nation of rebels. However, Moses intercedes for the people, and God relents. If you've got your Bibles this morning, open to Exodus chapter 33. I'd like for us to read Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 12. If you would, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's Word. From Exodus chapter 33 beginning in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you, In order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. God, I thank you for Moses. Thank you for his, his request for, uh, to see your glory, to know your ways. God, may we understand something of those requests today, and may we make them more and more of you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we look through these words, the the first thing that really jumps out and, and, and screams for our attention in this passage is the fact that Moses longs for more. He recounts some of what God has said about him over the course of their relationship. Moses said to the Lord in verse 12, You say to me, bring up this people. But you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. However, Moses isn't content with how things were at that moment in time. Who can blame him? What a journey this people has been on physically, emotionally, spiritually. And God has called Moses 
to a task that was far greater than anything Moses could handle on his own. He was leading a group of people that, that honestly didn't really want to be led. And now, God was saying to them that he might just let them go on their own without his hand upon the wheel. Now, no one can deny that Moses has experienced the power of God. From the plagues of, the Red, uh, of, of Egypt to the Red Sea being splitted, split from the manifestation of God's presence at Mount Sinai, Moses had talked with God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How many of us would look at Moses' life and, and we just think to ourselves, if I could only see what Moses saw, I'd never wrestle with doubts again. We all from time to time and seasons will struggle with doubts and fears. But if we could only see what Moses saw, if we could only see those Egyptians in the plagues, the, to walk through the Red Sea, to see the manifestation of God at Mount Sinai, if we could only see that, then I would never, ever doubt again. What Moses says, though, it indicates that he's looking for more than just the power of God. He had certainly seen the power of God. What Moses says, though, it, it indicates to us that he wants to know the person of God. So Moses makes two requests. In verse 13, he says simply this, Show me your ways. Show me your ways. In asking for God's ways, Moses is asking God to reveal his plans for their path. Moses was saying, whichever way you're going, Lord, that's the direction I want to be facing. You know, this is such an important part of our, of our walk with God. It's such an important but, but simple prayer. God, point me in your direction. I know as I look back over my life, and I'm certain that many of us share this same experience, our tendency is to want to go in our direction and then ask God to bail us out when that pathway ends in a less desirable way. How much heartache and trouble could be stopped if we simply prayed that prayer before we took a step? Every facet of our life should be marked by that simple prayer. Lord, show me your ways. Lord, I'm, I'm looking for a spouse. Show me your ways. Lord, I'm looking for a home, a place to live, a place to plant roots. Show me your ways. Lord, I'm, I'm looking for a career. I'd like to know what to do with my life. Show me your ways. Lord, I'm unhappy in my marriage. Show me your ways. Lord, I'm unfulfilled in my job. Lord, show me your ways. Lord, I'm looking for a church home. Show me your ways, Lord. Show me your ways. But far too often we do it our way. And we come to this painful place of reality when we realize the divide between our way and his way. And Moses simply asked, Lord, show me your ways. Which way are you going? Send me in that direction. Because that's the direction I want to go, right? 
Why, why would I want to go a direction contrary to the way God's pointing? Why would I want to go against the direction the Lord's leading? Why would I choose to go in rebellion against the one who has my best interest in mind? Lord, show me your ways. You know, the second request, it's found down just a little bit in verse 18. It's a little bit more of a challenge. Lord says, or Moses says to the Lord, Show me your glory. The word for glory comes from the same root word for the word heavy. And so some of us have more glory than others, I suppose. When we consider what Moses has already seen, then we can begin to grasp what he's asking for. From the burning bush to the pillar of smoke, Moses has experienced many manifestations of God's presence and his power, but here Moses is asking for something so much more. It's hard to imagine him wanting more than he's gotten. He's spoken to the Lord face to face. Not that the Lord has a face. It's just simply a way of the Scripture saying that Moses and the Lord had a very personal verbal relationship Verse 17 tells us Moses had successfully interceded for the people. God said to Moses, the very thing you have spoken, I will do. God says, I will answer your prayer. What you've requested, I will grant to you. But in that moment, when God gives Moses what he, what he asks for, the true desire of his heart is made known. He says, I want to know your glory. I want to know your glory. I want to know your fullness. I want to know the, the weight of your presence. I've seen your hand. I've seen your power, Lord. I've heard your voice. But Lord, show me your glory. What a bold prayer. He prayed for something that if God granted it, it would kill him. But God granted his request safely. He gave Moses what he wanted in a way that Moses could receive it. Moses could not look on the fullness of the glory of God and survive. None of us could. And, and people sometimes get hung up here thinking, well, did God walk by? You know, did God have a body and that body passed by and, and God was able, or Moses was able to see God's backside? Is that what's going on? Talks about God's face and his back and his hand. Like, did God take on human likeness here? Or maybe it's just the fact that God's using language that Moses could understand. What matters most is that Moses did not see the fullness of the glory of God because Moses could not see the fullness of, glory, of the glory of God. But what God did allow was for Moses to receive just a glimpse of what he was asking for. At the same time, though, there's more to this than just an encounter with this divine presence, this divine glory. It was more than just a visual experience for Moses. We find that there are words that are attached to it as well. If you look over in chapter 34, beginning in verse 6, we find this. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Words were stated. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, 
slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and fullness and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. In this manifestation of the glory of God, we also see a declaration of God's character. The fact of the matter is this. God's glory and God's character go hand in hand. This is the exact reason that we cannot bear the weight of the glory of God because our character is so flawed compared to the perfections of God. You see, the glory of God is, is more than just some bright light that, that knocks us off our feet. The glory of God is the weight, the heaviness of all of God's perfections. And when we truly grasp the infinite weight of God's perfect moral character, we become keenly aware of the extent of our imperfections when we have perfection set before us, we become all too aware of all that is imperfect. It's interesting, on Mount Sinai, Moses responds to this scene. All he can do is bow down and worship. That's all he can do. He didn't even see the full glory of God. He saw, he saw the back. He saw a reduced portion he saw a little bit that he could handle. And all he could do in response to this scene, in response to this acknowledgement of God's character, is bow down and worship. We know in Isaiah chapter 6, when the prophet was confronted with a vision of the glory of God, all the prophet could do, Woe unto me, for I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the Lord. That's what we're left with. If we see God in his perfections, it's all we've got left is ruin because of all of our imperfections. I want to ask you a very serious question this morning. Do you long for more? Do you long for more? I'm not talking about more in the sense of your physical possessions. I'm not talking about more in terms of your success. I'm not talking about more in that regard. Do you long for more of the things of God? Seriously, as you look at your walk with God, do you find yourself longing for more or are you content with where you are? The fact of the matter is this. If you think you've arrived or that you're good, you don't need for anything else, you're actually missing the mark more than you realize. One commentator said it this way. The glory of God is a peculiar thing in that it is the one pursuit wherein a man may be both satisfied and yet ever long for more. It is a thirst which is quenched, but always remains. And the more of it we drink, 
the more we want. Because that's what our experience is when we taste something that we enjoy. Can I have room for just a little more? Can I have room for just a little more? Listen, if you are content with where you are in your walk with the Lord, then you clearly haven't even begun to quench your thirst. Because once you taste of that living water, you can only want more. Men and women, we live in dangerous days for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So many of our congregations have lost their zeal for the Lord, their zeal for seeing people transformed by the gospel. We find ourselves content with the status quo when we need to be crying out with Moses, Lord, show us your glory. How do you know if you're satisfied with the status quo? It's very simple. Do a quick checkup. Do you read your Bible consistently? If you do, is your reading meaningful or mundane? Do you pray? And if you do, are your prayers more than just intercession? Intercession is asking God for things. Are you serving or sitting? Do you go to church out of obligation or do you show up with anticipation? You see, if you find yourself answering these questions in the negative, then I would simply ask, what in the world are you quenching your thirst with? Because you're clearly not quenching it with the things of God. Because if you were, then you'd be looking for more of the things of God. You see, when you have that real encounter with the glory of God, you can't walk away unchanged. When Moses came down from the mountain, we're told that his face reflected the glory that he had seen. His, his face was glowing to the point that the Israelites said, Moses, you've got to cover that up. We can't look at you. We can't see that. And the same is true for us today. We cannot encounter the Lord and walk away the same as we were. Some might encounter the Lord. They might walk away and their hearts are hardened. Some might walk away and their hearts be more inclined to the Lord, but you cannot walk away unchanged. When you hear from the Lord, when you are confronted with his claims, when you're confronted with his glory, you have to answer. When you hear the claims of Jesus, you acknowledge he's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. It's all he can be. If you reject him, he's either a liar or a lunatic. But you cannot receive him as anything less than Lord. Like so many of the experiences in Moses' life, this episode here serves to point us to one who is greater than Moses. Moses desired that, that unfettered, unfiltered access to God, to see him in his full glory, but he could not see it because he was a sinner. His heart was in the right place, but he was incapable of dwelling in the unveiled presence of a holy God. He desired an intimacy that he could not possess. Yet Moses' desire points us to Jesus who does experience this type of intimacy because he's part of the Trinity. He's fully God. And as the eternal Son of God, as the Son of Man, Jesus fully experienced the glory of God. 
Something Moses could never do while he was in Israel leading that nation. But the distinction between Jesus and Moses is even greater here. For Jesus not only experiences the full glory of God, he also possesses the full glory of God as a member of the Godhead. Moses' face may have shown by, by reflecting the glory that he'd been exposed to. But Jesus' glory is inherent. It is his glory. Jesus is the glory of God. As the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 1 chapter or 1 verse 3, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. When we look in the New Testament, at the Mount of Transfiguration, we see an experience parallel to what happened there in Exodus 34. In this scene that happened on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, like Moses, ascended a high mountain where the light of God's glory was visible and God's voice was heard. Jesus' face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as the light, according to Matthew chapter 17. And there on that mountain, God's voice boomed in affirmation and love for his son. He said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You ought to listen to him. But Jesus was not alone on that mountain because they're joining the Son and Jesus' closest disciples were two men with him, Elijah and Moses. I'm sure Moses was awed by his experience on Mount Sinai when he saw the glory of God and his face was radiant what happened on Mount Sinai was nothing compared to this privilege that God gave Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. For there on that mountain, Moses saw the full glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to me. The amazing thing for us today as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is that we have the privilege of seeing God's glory revealed through the person, work, and word of the Lord Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 14 says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace, and full of truth. So if we're discontent with how things are, if we find ourselves longing to cry with Moses, Lord, show us your glory. Guess what? We need look no further than Jesus. We need look no further than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you find inside of yourself a holy discontent, if you find within inside yourself a desire to see the Lord move and do, and, and, and do great things in our midst, look to Jesus. Set your eyes on Jesus. Worship Jesus. Serve Jesus. Give your life to Jesus, the one and only Son, 
who gave his life for us. Have you set your eyes on Jesus today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.